Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. And to discover more about our radio ministry and our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We're considering Isaiah 11 and the messianic prophecy regarding the root of Jesse, Jesus Christ. The prophecy identifies Jesse as a stump. It's a prophecy of the devastation of the line of David, cut down like a stump, and yet from that stump, a little twig rises up to lead the nations. And that twig that rises up from the stump of Jesse is revealed to be the root of Jesse. Now what can that mean? This is the Messiah who rises up out of the stump of Jesse as a twig or a branch. And yet from this Messiah, Jesse rises. Out of the Messiah, Jesse has risen as the tree. What does it mean? The Messiah was before Jesse. The Messiah was before the stump. The Messiah was before all things. And he includes all things. And all life rises from him. The Messiah is the root of all. The Messiah is the root. You see that? There is an indication here of that divine nature of the Messiah. He's the foundation of all the promises to Israel. And all the promises to us who believe. One day all the nations will know that this is the all-glorious one. And before him, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And the sign that's raised of the Messiah, the sign that's raised, is told to us in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Let's read it for a moment. This takes us back to this tremendous and odd contrast between the power of nations, Syria, northern Israel, Assyria, Ahaz with all of his plans and his Davidic hopes for Davidic power, and then the image of a little child named Emmanuel who is born unto us and given unto us and rising up as a little slip out of a stump that seems to be neglected. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Where is that? At the cross. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I guess the question we can ask when we look at this passage, we consider the tight spot that Ahaz thought he was in and the whole city of Jerusalem thought they're in is can we trust in God? Can we believe God when the place where the promise should be rising up there's nothing but a stump? Our great Savior and His great salvation began in a place like that. A place of profound humility and humiliation. And it was there that when men thought all that the promise of life and hope had been lost was there in that desolate and fleet-feated place that a stage was set for the king to quietly and humbly make himself known. It's always that way even for us. You go to your own life and you think about your life and you say, when did Jesus really begin to manifest himself to me? Was it at the pinnacle? When it was when you were at the top? 
Wasn't it you achieve things? When you'd found how to orchestrate all the things around you to gain your successes? No. It's the moment of devastation. It's the moment in which you accepted your decline, which you diminished all the way down to the ground, and you saw yourself for what you were, a sinner, a sinner who was never going to be able to construct anything of yourself in your own power and strength that would last and endure and were a stump before him, you were sawn down. And actually, the Christian life is lived this way as well. Whenever God wants to bring us to trust in him, usually what he has to do is draw away from us all the other things that we suddenly begin trusting in. We rest in this, we rest in, you know, how the political landscape is and whether our candidate is winning. We rest in whether we're winning in our commercial decisions, in our business endeavors. We line all those things up to draw our sense of comfort and to see whether, you know, the dividends are coming in of the work, that hard work that we've done. And that's not where God moves upon us to bring us to profound faith in Him. It's when He draws those things away from us, when we see the potential of them escaping us and... It's when all that hard work we've done to keep ourselves fit and trim goes away one day when we wake up with a strange cough and we wonder what it is and it advances upon us. And we see God is setting a stage to make himself known to us and draw us back to complete and total faith in him. When Isaiah began his ministry, he had a vision of God, high and holy, in a high and holy place. It's told to us in Isaiah chapter 6. And then God called Isaiah and Isaiah responded to the sense of prophetic call in which he'd go before his nation. And God told him that he was to preach a message to the nation that the nation would totally reject. They wouldn't listen to him and they wouldn't honor it. And then Isaiah asked God, well, how long will I have to do this ministry? How long will I preach a message that no one will receive? And God's response to Isaiah at that time is, until the cities lie in waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes the people far away. And the forsaken places are many throughout the land. And then God tells him that even if a tenth of the people come back into the land to inhabit the land again, they'll be like a tree that's been cut down like a stump and then fire has gone over it and burned it. And that's how you come to the end of Isaiah chapter 6. A land that's devastated with nothing but a stump that's been burned over. And then the very last words in verse 16 of Isaiah 6. God makes this short little declaration to Isaiah. He says, the holy seed is in its stump. And out of the desolation that comes upon a resistant people who will not hear God's word and will remain but a burned out stump, the seed of promise is introduced. That's what we've been considering in Isaiah chapter 11. The expression, the full expression of the seed of promise rising up as a blessing to the earth and the nations. So here are three last lessons for us as we hold this in mind. First lesson I would give you is this. Learn where to place your trust. Learn where to place your trust. Trusting in earthly powers and earthly means and earthly strategies will finally fall out from underneath you. The very thing you rest upon and trust upon will not endure and it certainly will not endure before the presence of the Holy God when he comes to judge the earth. Israel would have been a great light to the nation. That was God's plan for them. If they had but trusted in God alone and God could reveal himself. But in trusting in the nations around them and opposing and not trusting in God, they were dwindled down themselves to a stump. And so also dwindled their light to those nations. And it's the same for the church today. 
if we trust in worldly powers, if we put our hope in outcomes and maneuverings and gaining for ourselves some place of invested interest so that we are people who can have leverage on the scene and get our way and our will, we'll lose our light to the world and we'll dwindle down in stature before it. It's just trusting in Him and believing in Him. Here's the second thing. God calls for our faith at our points of weakness and defeat and diminishment. And it has to always be this way. The hope in our own personal powers have to be brought to nothing. The twist in our nature that repeatedly relies on our own prowess and our own ability to make things happen by our own personal craft has to be removed. God will let the whole house of David dwindle down to nothing but a stump. If you feel like your life is being whittled away bit by bit and that you're on the losing side of the equations of life. If you see others gaining and yourself coming up on the short end of the stick, I want you to consider something. God is seeking to bring you to the point where all your faith will rest in him alone. He's setting the stage for you to let go of your dreams of success and your idea of what will bring you security. He's calling you into his better vision for your life and to trust in him. Here's the last thing I would just say. It's this. I think this is very important. We are not utilitarians. We Christians are not utilitarians. We don't believe in things because they benefit us always immediately or they always bring us success. You ask the Christians who are dying at martyrs in different parts of the world today and are seeing the destruction that's falling upon them, whether they believe because it works out well for them. It's the formula for them being successful in life and getting what they need. We're not ultimately utilitarians. Our faith is not in what is working for the moment. Our faith is in the truth that God will ultimately prevail in his promises to us. And as an object of this faith, God doesn't bring to us the massive machinery of the systems and powers and performance of this age. He doesn't show us you know, the gargantuan work of an ever-ascending church accomplishing more and more and says, there, believe in this. God brings to us a child born in a stable because there's no room for him in an inn. Born under the law. Born to be known as the man of sorrows and a man acquainted with grief. He brings to us the one who is promised to be the Lion of Judah who will come to spread his righteousness over all the earth and rule with a rod of iron and settle all of the complicated issues that history has borne out through sinful man, reign in complete peace and righteousness. And then he invites us to look at this great lion. And as we look at him, what he reveals to us is one who appears as a lamb as though he had been slain. There he is, the lion of Judah. There's where our faith is to rise. We're to see him first as that lamb. He doesn't turn us first even to view Christ in his resurrection power. First he turns us to see him bearing the crown of thorns in the dereliction of abandonment on the cross, suffering the cross for our sins, where the child, the holy son of God, dies in our place for our sin and meets us in our desolation, there to begin that work that will take us and all the world into his promised holy habitation. That's not utilitarianism. That's not, I want to believe in what pragmatically works for me today. 
and flips the switch so that I can get on the right track of the winning side of life. That's not it. You know, when I obey God and I submit and I believe in Him, I put my faith in Him so often, that is a byproduct of His registry in my life. I'm working my life that He blesses me. But oh, not always. The idea that somehow Job is the only one who suffered affliction and didn't get answers from God is crazy. Look at your life. They don't all come to us now. God just says, trust me. Trust in nothing else but me. Me. The question is, when will we learn that God still calls us to a life of faith in such a vision? We are not to be triumphantly adding up the medals of our supposed successes as our rationale for faith. Our faith is to rest in the slip that rose from the stump. It turns to the child that is born in the middle of the world's intrigues and powers. It believes that God is at work and will accomplish what he says in a way that may look foolish to the world, but is right for our need. We need to be brought low, and he needs to grow to be everything before our eyes. And as we look at him in this way, and place our eye upon that twig. It expands and it grows and it fills the whole earth. And all we begin to see is Jesus only and Jesus always and Jesus ever is our great Savior. That's what God gives us. That's our hope. That's the vision of this amplifier. And so we sing the prayer, O come thou root of Jesse free, thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory or the grave. Thanks for listening to the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord richly bless you.